They overheard Mario telling the rats everything. They know about the cats, and no doubt they know about our battle tactics as well. He sold us down the canal. But wait, did the Vols actually see that it was Mario talking to the rats? Well, no, but I know it was Mario. Who else would have done such a thing? Gino slowly shook his head as he thought about this. No one. You're right, Harry. It was Mario. It, it had to be. I know. And now the wicked little traitor has taken Topaz and escaped. But what are we to do? Asked Gino. But before Harry could answer, the grandfather clock chimed out loudly through the mouse palace. It was one o'clock, and time for the battle to commence. Welcome to Chronosphere Fiction. This is your pilot, Daniel French, bringing you from Patricia Keeler. Harry the Hamster goes to Venice. You just heard where we left off. Let's hear where it goes next. Gino ran straight out of Topaz's chamber to go and join the mice, but Harry stayed back for a moment. He needed to talk to Pepe. Listen, I know you and your friends have all got your duty to do for the injured here, but I need you all to do one other thing for me, though I have to warn you, it might be dangerous. Anything, said Pepe. We were living in the palace long before Nero and the rat pirates Start terrorizing these canals. You do whatever you need to keep them out of here. Right then, what do you know about speedboats? Outside, in front of the palace, the two armies, all ranked and filed along the canal's edge, squared onto one another. The rat pirates were all handsomely dressed in their lavish regalia for the fight. Velvet cloaks, golden face masks, feathered hats, and they all brandished their huge claws, freshly sharpened for the battle. Nero led them and stood before the mice three times as tall as the largest mouse in the colony. The mice, however, would not be intimidated and stared hard into the wicked faces of the rats as if it were they who were bigger. Gino had organized the mice into six ranks, twelve deep and twelve wide, they outnumbered the rats four to one and were all armed with knives, forks, toothpicks, and shields. What was more, each mouse appeared to be swelled to twice its ordinary size with the confidence that they would have three enormous cats fighting alongside them. Harry, of course, had not told the mice that the rats had gotten wise to their plan, nor indeed that there was a traitor in their midst. <laughs> well, 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 <laughs> laughed Nero, staring down over the mouse army. Look what we have. Here, aren't you all looking mighty and brave? You may give us a fight after all. 
We will give you a fight! Macadama, suck, rot, and eggs! And what's more, we will win! And the cheers of the mice rang loud along the canal on hearing these words, but were soon drowned out by the jeering and laughing of the rats. <laughs> when will you? I admire your spirit. Makes it even more of a joy to crush you. But where is your leader? Where is the hamster? Abandoned you all to be squished like little ants. As he. I'm right here, said Harry. He was climbing up over the edge of the canal wall, and every head of every mouse and every rat turned to face him. He had no weapon and no shield. All he had was the look of black thunder in his eyes when he marched right up to the giant rat and said, Get ready to drown. Nero had no time to react. At once, Thomasina, Bianca, and Polo appeared from behind the rat pirates, each with a mouse riding astride their necks, and came bounding towards the rats, flashing their claws and baring their teeth. But the rats were prepared. They had been told precisely about this surprise attack from the back. The rear half of the rat army were already turned in the cat's direction, their claws brandished, and their feet set, ready to face the charge head on. The clash was almighty. Thomasina led the trio at such speed that they powered through the rat army like stampeding elephants, scattering the pirates like bowling pins. But the rats were tough. They quickly got to their feet again and flung themselves at the cats. Soon, three dust clouds of claws, tails, blood, and shrieks were tumbling across the battleground as cat and rat scratched and gouged and wrestled and rolled in combat. Above the ruckus, Harry bellowed out his orders. Knock them in the water! Knock them in the water! The rats can't swim! Bianca was the first to test Harry's claim. With a sharp kick of her hind legs that would impress even the strongest of stallions, she launched three rats that had been biting through her tail over the edge and into the water. The rats squealed as they plunged into the depths, and they thrashed and scrambled and gasped for air. The cats all quickly learned the effectiveness of this trick, and they batted, kicked, and thrust the rats two, three, four at a time, floundering into the canal. Now the mighty hamster led the charge from the front. Attack! He cried, and ran straight for Nero and sunk his teeth deep into the rat pirate's side. Nero bellowed in pain, and then the mice surged into the rabble of rats as one terrific force. How the rat pirates had underestimated the determined colony of tiny mice. With their shields protecting them from the rat's razor claws, the mice used their forks to pin the struggling rats to the spot by their tails, and then their toothpicks to skewer through feet and paws, and their knives to slash at fur and flesh. And oh, how the rat pirates had underestimated the strength and size of the cats. As the mice reduced the rat's progress to a feeble crawl, so Thomasina, Bianca, and Polo batted them into the canal. Over the edge, the rats all flew like wingless birds crashing down to water. As the rat pirates became fewer and fewer, so did the mice increasingly outnumber those that remained. It would have hardly seemed possible, but precisely four minutes after the grandfather clock had told the commencement of the battle, all the rats were in the canal. All that is, except one. Nero was nowhere to be seen. And as the mice lined up along the edge of the canal, cheering at the drowning rats and lifting each other's paws high up into the air, one little mouse realized that there was someone else missing as well. Oh no! She cried, and everybody stopped cheering a moment to listen to her. Where's Harry? What's happened to him? 
There was neither cat nor mouse amongst them that could answer her. Now, in fact, Harry wasn't very far away. He was with Gino, and the two of them were more than a hundred yards further down the canal's edge, and nowhere near the battlefield. But to understand how they got there, we must go back to the point when Harry charged into the battle. Earlier, when Harry, completely unarmed, had led the mice's assault upon the rat pirates and sunk his teeth into Nero, Gino had appeared to pull the hamster away from the mighty rat. Harry! Are you mad? You'll be killed! Here, duck beneath my shield! What are you doing? I had him! Nero was mine! I'm protecting you! You have no weapon and no shield! Nero would have ripped you to shreds! No. I'd have taken him by surprise. You ruined my chance. Now get off me. But Gino refused to let Harry go and continued to guide him out of the ongoing battle. Cats, rats, and mice were wrestling all around, and Gino had to avoid flying fists and swipes coming from all sides and defend each one of them with his shield. Even so, a rat's claw managed to reach up beneath Gino's safeguard more than once and scratch him on the legs, and on one occasion, Harry's ear received a nick from a swiping blade. Nevertheless, Gino pushed on until they were clear of the fighting. But even when he dragged Harry more than 50 yards away from the battleground, Gino still kept hold of Harry and was ushering him further and further along. It was almost as if he were pushing Harry towards something, rather than saving him from danger. This is far enough, Gino, shaking himself free from the mouse's grasp. We have to go back and join the others. No. I, I mean, you're, you're still unarmed, Harry. You, you can't go back without a weapon. Come on. He continued, putting his arm around Harry's shoulder and trying to guide him along once more. I, I've stashed away a shield and toothpick. You can use a little further down. Harry shook himself free of Gino's arm. Get off me. Why won't you let me go back? What's going on? Nothing is going on. I, I, I don't want to see you get hurt. You're too brave for your own good, you are. <laughs> You're lying. What about? I don't know, said Harry. But then, just as he was about to turn round and run back to the battle, he thought he saw something in Gino's eyes. He wasn't sure what it was at first. Just a little shrinking, almost. A little squinting at the corners. As he stared harder at the mouse, this something began to take shape. Yes, Harry could just about tell what it was now. It was something raw and oppressive, like shame. There was a note of guilt in there, and perhaps even a little regret. And then, as Gino tried to throw Harry off with a smile, the whole horrible truth came pouring out. What Harry was seeing in Gino's eyes was nothing less than the stark, burning of betrayal. The penny dropped in Harry's mind. Of course, it wasn't Mario that Mr. Vol had seen talking to the rats. It was... It seems like Gino underestimated you, Harry. He told us that he'd persuaded a foolhardy hamster to lead the mice to their death. But it appears that he miscalculated your capabilities. The voice, of course, belonged to Nero. There was no mistaking the nasal twang of the drawl. And when Harry turned to face him, the enormous rat laughed like an evil child stomping on an ant's nest. 
<laughs> you may have fought well, little hamster, but you have only been the puppet of Gino's mastery. Gino, what's he talking about? I'm nobody's puppet. And then turning to Nero, he said, I joined the mice to avenge what you did to Topaz. You nearly killed her, you rotten swine. We rats only did what Gino suggested we do. I didn't tell you to nearly kill Topaz, though, did I? I said to make it look convincing and hurt her enough to anger Harry, to make him want to fight with the mice. Why did you suggest such a terrible thing, Gino? I had to... I had to get the rats to her topaz just enough to make you want to fight. But they nearly killed her! How could you let them nearly murder one of your friends? He grabbed Gino with both paws by the collar and pushed the mouse towards the edge of the canal. He stopped just before they both went flying off, and instead he held the mouse there, dangling backwards over the dark water below them. Tell me why you betrayed us all! Getting the rats to attack Topaz was the only way to get you to fight! You wouldn't help the mice, so I forced you! I forced you to fight! You wouldn't fight for us, but I knew you would fight for Topaz. So you made sure the rats attacked her. You know that they slashed her belly. She almost died! I had to hurry. Harry's arm ached as he continued to hold the little mouse over the murky canal water. I still don't understand, Gino. Why are you working with the rats? Because we mice are nothing! We scrounge and scrap a pitiful living from the rubbish that others throw away. We run from the cats, and we run from the rats. We are nothing. Nothing! We are the laughing stock of Venice. An embarrassment to our kind, and I'm ashamed to call myself a mouse. And so I made a deal with the rats. I would lure all the mice out of the palace to a battle they were certain to lose. And in exchange, the rats would let me be. They would leave me alone <laughs> to live out my life in safety and a comfort. But we won! We mice aren't nothing at all. We won! We won! Yes, you did, said Gino, and a little tear fell off his cheek and dropped into the water below. And now I can never face the mice again. Go on, Harry. Push me into the canal. Harry tightened his grip on Gino's fur. He stared at the treacherous mouse squarely in the eye. Part of him wanted to push him into the canal and watch him drown. It was thanks to Gino that Topaz had almost died, and Harry could not understand how Gino could have betrayed his friends, his own kind. But there was something about the mouse's sorrowful expression that made Harry feel pity for his former friend. Harry pulled him back onto the shore and released his grip. But just as he did so, Harry saw Nero rushing towards them with a murderous look in his oily black eyes. 
Nero's long snout was just a hair's breadth away from Harry's own face. The hamster could smell the rat's fetid breath. Grinning, Nero turned to Harry. Gino is a fool. He's stupid. A delusional little mouse. Then turning towards Gino, Nero said in a spiteful voice, Did you honestly think we were going to let you survive after the battle? <laughs> I would not expect you to say anything else because you know nothing of trust and loyalty. Your promises are worth nothing, but we mice will never let you survive now, Nero. You're the only rat left. What do you mean, we mice? You're a hamster. You're not one of them. Gino used you. You were his pet. And that's all a hamster will ever be. That's not true, Harry. You're not just a hamster. You're my friend, Gino shouted. And before the giant rat had time to react, the little mouse shoved Nero as hard as he could, pushing him closer to the water's edge. Nero swayed for a fraction of a second and tottered dangerously near the edge of the canal. But within moments, he regained his balance and with a face like thunder, he spat out, I will never go away. I will round up a new army of rats, and we will hound the mice of Venice forever, until the mouse palace is ours, and I am crowned the rightful king of these canals. Nero snarled and took a step or two towards Harry and Gino. Harry gulped and wondered what to do next. But just as Harry was contemplating his next move, he heard a buzzing noise coming from further down the canal. Only this time, it was a noise he'd been waiting to hear. The bones in Harry's skeleton trembled, and the windows in all the buildings shook, and once again the gondoliers scattered, jumping to shore and plunging into the water as another speedboat, just as Harry had planned, came careening down the canal at breakneck speed, with a ginormous wave rising up in its wake. Briefly, Harry closed his eyes. All he had to do was keep Nero there, standing on the edge, even if it meant sacrificing himself. Come on, then. Let's see what you're made of. Now you haven't got your cronies here to help you. He could hear the engine louder now, a great growl thundering its way closer and closer. Then he saw it. Behind Nero, the speedboat was flying down the canal towards them, zigzagging frantically, bashing against the canal walls and exploding through the abandoned gondolas. And behind it, peeling outwards from its wedge-shaped bow, climbing as high as the first-floor balconies, a great wave was sweeping over the pavement at a relentless pace. Harry's plan had come to fruition. Pepe and the old mice had fired up the speedboat like Harry had told them. With the engine running, they set it to full speed and jumped off to safety, leaving the speedboat completely unmanned to hurdle its way down the canal, causing a giant wave to carry away all in its path. Nero turned and gawked at the wall of water that was fast rising ever higher over them. There was nowhere for all three of them to run, no drains this time to dive into, and in fact it was all they could do to close their eyes and wait for the inevitable. Harry thought of Topaz. He thought of her little whiskers and the little bow she always wore on her tail. He thought of her soft fur and of her sweet little voice. In fact, 
He thought about it so hard that he swore he could almost hear it. Harry! Harry! It was so clear, that voice. Harry! Jump! It was more clear than ever. Harry! It was her voice. Harry, you have to jump! It wasn't just in his head, it was coming from the canal. Harry opened his eyes. Topaz! But then he turned to look at the wave. It was right on them now, rearing up as high as a house and ready to wash him, Gino, and Nero away forever. The speedboat whizzed past in a roar of red and was gone. Nero stood frozen, agape at the giant slab of water that was about to bury him. Harry! Gino! Jump! Came Topaz's voice from the canal. Trust me, boys! Jump! Harry and Gino jumped. They jumped just as the wave came crashing down and swallowed Nero whole. And they landed next to Topaz in Harry's own gondola. Mario was at the helm. Welcome aboard, lads! The gruff old mouse cried. But he didn't look at Harry or Gino, for he was concentrating on the monstrous wall of water ahead of them. He steered Harry's little boat right up to the very tip of the wave, the spray whipping their faces and stinging their eyes. Hold on! And Harry, Gino, and Topaz clasped onto the sides for dear life as the front of the gondola rose until the whole thing was vertical and all four of them were dangling out over the sides. The tip of the wooden clog pointed directly upwards toward the sky, and the whole boat seemed to hang there, suspended completely upright for a few seconds, as if undecided which way to fall. What panic swept through each of the four rodents in that instant! But then, what relief! The tip of the clog teetered, dropped forward, and then the whole boat came slapping down on the other side of the wave. Then the water flattened out, and with nothing ahead of them but a few abandoned gondolas, their pathway was clear, and they were all safe and sound. I'm sorry. Mario, I... I thought you'd betrayed us. I thought you had joined forces with the rat pirates. You thought wrong, young hamster. I just never believed that you could defeat them. At first, I also blamed you a bit for what happened to Topaz. But she has told me all about how brave you've been, how much you mean to her. I was mistaken about you, Harry. I always believed you could defeat the rat pirates, said Topaz, and she leaned over and gave Harry the biggest hug he'd ever had in his life. So now you know that I didn't betray you, Harry. But who did? Mario looked pensive. Harry and Gino's eyes met for a fleeting moment. Gino looked down, his expression suddenly furtive. Luckily, this exchange of looks was over in seconds, and neither Mario nor Topaz had caught Gino's guilt-ridden gaze. I... I asked Mr. and Mrs. Vole about the conversation they saw between a mouse and Nero, and they said that they were sure that the little mouse had answered to the name Toto. I've never heard of anyone at the mouse palace called Toto. Are you sure that's what Mr. and Mrs. Vaux called him? Absolutely sure. This Toto is probably an outsider. No doubt he's from another mouse colony or from the countryside. And now that he's caused all this trouble, he's gone back where he came from. 
Harry thought it was as good an explanation as any. It would satisfy the mice to think that the betrayal could have been carried out by an outsider who had now gone back to whence he came from, and it certainly got Gino off the hook. Harry realized that Gino had allowed his desperation to take over. Harry believed that deep down inside, Gino was still a decent and loyal mouse, and he was anyway a believer in second chances. Perhaps, had he not believed in them, he would not have come to Venice in the first place. Then the little vessel fell silent, and all that could be heard was the lapping of the waves against the sides of the boat. Harry took Topaz's tiny paw in his and held it tightly, and the two of them enjoyed each other's company beneath the afternoon sun on the maiden voyage of Harry's very own gondola. A few days later, the mice threw a big ceremony in the palace to congratulate Harry for all he had done for them. All the mice had pitched in to finally give the palace a good tidy. They'd swept up all the glass, dusted the paintings, and scrubbed clean all the walls. They'd even given the old grandfather clock a good polish, even though it didn't really need it. The palace looked fit enough for royalty when they'd finished, and indeed royalty is exactly what it received. The mice crowned Harry the king of the mice of Venice, and Harry immediately appointed Topaz as his queen. All the mice turned out for the ceremony, and not only them, but also Tomasina, Bianca, and Polo were there, and even Mr. and Mrs. Vole came along. The cats were as good as their word. With the safe return of her kittens, Tomasina vowed to never bother the mice of Venice again. She even led the applause for Harry. Three cheers for King Harry! Hip hip! Everybody cheered in unison. <laughs> Harry was very humbled and embarrassed by all the fuss, but he bowed and went round the whole palace, making sure that he shook the paw of every last creature, for he didn't want to appear ungrateful. When he got around to Mario, he stopped. I was wrong about you, but you saved my life. How would you like to be my first knight of the Venetian mice? It would be an honor, your highness said Mario, and he bowed his head. Harry, however, would take none of that nonsense. Just call me Harry. Next in line was Gino. And you, Gino, can be my second knight of the Venetian mice. Gino looked taken aback by Harry's generosity. I don't think I deserve such an honor, Harry. But I swear that henceforth I will try to perform all of my duties to the very best of my abilities. I will not let you down. Harry smiled at his old friend. There was something in Gino's demeanor that made Harry certain that the little mouse had truly repented for his former betrayal. And he now not only believed in Harry, but had also developed pride in being a mouse, and perhaps most importantly, pride in himself. After the ceremony, Harry and Topaz finally found the chance to go out alone in Harry's gondola. Harry wore his special gondolier's outfit that Topaz had made for him, and with a gentle breeze nudging along behind him, they weaved their way down the beautiful Grand Canal, enjoying all the sights of Venice. They were going nowhere in particular, 
just enjoying the lazy afternoon, content in the knowledge that they no longer had the cats, the rat pirates, or anything else to worry about. Then suddenly, a real gondola pulled up alongside them, and when Harry looked up to compare his costume with the gondoliers, Harry felt that his own was much smarter. He was absolutely astounded to recognize the two passengers that the gondolier had aboard. Topaz, look, it's Mark and Lucy, my owners. Topaz peered up into the big gondola. Indeed, on board the gondola was a very lucky man named Mark and his very lucky wife named Lucy, who were both enjoying the last day of their Venetian holiday with a trip down the Grand Canal. What a lovely time we've had here, Lucy, said Mark. Hasn't it been marvellous? We've wined and dined and danced and laughed. I don't think I ever want to go home. Neither do I, said Mark. Neither do I. And with that, the big gondola overtook Harry's little shoe, and Harry heard no more of what Mark and Lucy said. Harry sat back down. He had a little smile on his face. Why are you grinning like that? Asked Topaz. You know, Mark and Lucy have forgotten all about Pip and me. I was right to follow my dream. I was right to come looking for adventure. But most of all, he added, gazing into Topaz's eyes, most of all, I was right to have come here because I found you. Now, this is the part where Harry and Topaz share their first kiss. And since it is not at all proper to intrude upon young love, we will turn our attention to the rest of Mark and Lucy's conversation, which, unfortunately, Harry didn't get to hear. For you see, Mark and Lucy did miss their two pet hamsters, and indeed were very keen, especially Mark, to get back home to see them. Well, we have to go back, Lucy, said Mark. I miss Harry and Pip ever so much. I can't wait to get home and spoil them both with games and cuddles and treats. A <laughs> uh, pet sitter says they're missing us. Do you think they're missing us, Lucy? What the pet sitter had actually said was Pip was missing them. For search as she might, the poor pet sitter had been unable to locate the second hamster. Lucy answered Mark's question reassuringly. Of course they are, darling. And all the way back in England, Pip answered Mark's question with a twitch of his whiskers and a very deep snore, for well-fed and watered and tucked up safe and sound in his nice warm sawdust, Pip was fast asleep. The End Patricia Keeler would like to say that she would like to thank her editor, John Waldron, and her illustrator, Anna Krupa, whose hard work has made this book possible. Patricia Keeler has written many young adult ebooks and a number of radio plays which have been broadcast. She is also an Italian to English literary translator and has translated several novels. Harry the Hamster Goes to Venice is her first children's novel. The voice of your narrator and Harry, Gino, Mario, and Nero is Blake Benlin. The voices of Topaz and Thomasina is Caitlin Curtis. Music is by Andrew Manos and Daniel French at Fishbonius Sound Design. Production, editing, mixing, sound effects, and mastering are by Daniel French at Fishbonius Sound Design. The grandfathered master of chronosphere fiction, 
please become a patron by going to patreon.com slash chronosphere or Venmo at Fishbonius. Keep your cosmos clean. <laughs>